Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Farzine Vesugian, the host of the Chief Zone Podcast. Big thanks to all of you guys for downloading and listening to this episode. Back in the U.S., happy to be back home and got a lot to talk about on this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. Going to recap the first half of the season for the Kansas City Chiefs offensively, uh, obviously surrounding Patrick Mahomes, but also defensively, some frustrations and some surprises. Also talking about the NFL trade deadline, it did not involve the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll also touch on some of the other teams that were involved in the, in the trade deadline and, and a very interesting look at one specific position that we saw uh, get traded for the most and one team that mishandled their trade for a player in that specific position. I'll get to that later on. Plus, what a mess in Cleveland. And that's who the Chiefs are playing this week. But it's also a very familiar scene that the Chiefs have been in and it actually panned out well for them. You never know sometimes. Upsets do happen. We'll touch on the Browns mess and what the Chiefs must do to prevent an upset this week as the Browns have fired their head coach and offensive coordinator in Todd Haley, former Chiefs head coach. Uh, crazy situation in Cleveland right now. And as I mentioned, we'll break down the game between the Chiefs and a, a Browns team that's uh, two coaches short now. Uh, obviously, a lot of interim uh, coaches stepping up, an interim head coach, and also an interim offensive coordinator. So going to be very interesting to see how that dynamic goes on Sunday when the Chiefs visit the Browns. Plus, going around the NFL, a couple of locker rooms upset with some of the trades that were made. Plus, Mike Moustakas, former Kansas City Royal, he is set to become a free agent again. Why is this offseason going to be better than the last offseason? And speaking of baseball, the Red Sox won another World Series. You will not believe how many world titles pro sports teams in Boston have won since 2002. I'll read that number in just a moment. If you follow sports very closely or if you live in Boston, you probably already don't know what that number is. And also in the penalty flag segment, one college athlete punched his coach and another college team brought back a coach who essentially killed a player in DJ Durkin. We talked about him earlier in the year and Maryland decided to bring him back. Very crazy story. We'll touch on that later on in the podcast. If you guys want to talk to me, get in contact with me, you can do so in a couple of ways. Facebook.com slash Farzin Vesugian. That is my Facebook page. Give it a like. Follow me on Facebook. We'll do the Facebook Live videos this Sunday. Those will return uh, as I was on vacation last week. So join us for the Facebook Live videos this Sunday at halftime and after the game when we touch on the game between the Chiefs and the Browns. So join us for that on uh, on Facebook Live, uh, on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. Follow me on Twitter at Farzine21, plus my email, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Hit the share button as well. Spread the word about the Chief Zone Podcast with your friends. All right, as I mentioned, a lot to get into on this episode. Very little time to waste. Let's get right into it. Chiefs at the halfway point. 7-1 and one is their record. And, and I asked you guys on the Facebook page, how is this compared to what you expected? And a lot of people give the same answer because people knew that Mahomes was going to do well, but they also thought that he was going to have a lot of growing pains this season. And he's had a couple of, uh, of moments, uh, rough moments this season, but it's been very minimal. Uh, for, for Patrick Mahomes in this Chiefs offense, this has been a very flawless offense this year. The top scoring offense in the NFL. 
and they're firing on all cylinders, whether it's it's passing the football, offensive line playing very well this year, uh, kind of up and down, but they're definitely playing better than I expected, and I think uh, most people's expectations, uh, the, the, the pass catchers, uh, tight ends and receivers, I mean, they've been playing lights out this year, uh, Travis Kelsey obviously doing kissing, and I think Demetrius Harris is doing a better job as a backup tight end for the Chiefs, so he's been having a good season as well, and then you look at your wide receivers, I mean, gosh, who do you not have? Uh, at this point, you've got Tyree Kill, Sammy Watkins, uh, Chris Conley, Demarcus Robinson, DeAnthony Thomas. Uh, I know a couple of injuries have have come into play here, but uh, you've got, you've got so many options here. And for the Kansas City Chiefs, they're not running out of options. And oh, by the way, speaking of other players, I haven't even mentioned the running backs. Kareem Hunt, uh, obviously doing his thing, recently getting a lot of attention, being uh, you know like Michael Jordan air Kareem Hunt. Uh, and Spencer Ware, Damian Williams, they've been contributing as well. So this Chiefs offense really is dominating on all cylinders here. Uh, and I'll get into Mahomes in a moment, but the, the Chiefs have a 7-1 record. I had I had no clue that was going to be their record at the midway point. And I don't know if a lot of Chiefs fans felt that way either because, because of the uh, uh, unpredictability with a new quarterback. Sure, a lot of people were excited, but definitely some nerves. Uh, comes with having a brand new quarterback under center. There's always the possibility of what if he does not pan out to be the quarterback that you expected him to be. And people may have had that expectation with Mahomes. I thought he was going to struggle in the first four games and the Chiefs would have started two and two. Uh, They haven't even lost two games so far this season. So obviously if they've exceeded my expectations, excuse me, and uh, really what Mahomes is doing right now, pretty special, and I'll get into a comparison in a moment, but I, I would just want to touch on the one loss. Because I know some Chiefs fans are still upset about that, but look, you lost that game, rallying on a comeback, uh, took the lead at one point, then the game was tied ag- uh, again, um, or I don't know if the game was ever tied to begin with, excluding the scoreless start, uh, now that I th- uh, think of that, but uh, it was tied near the end of the game, and the Patriots won with three seconds left on the clock, game-winning field goal up, and time expires, and the Chiefs lose. That's their only loss of the game, a game-winning field goal with three seconds ticking down. Uh, I mean, the Chiefs have never been blown out in a game, at least with the final score, that is. They were blown out by the Patriots at one point, but the Chiefs uh, did not roll over in that football game. So you look at everything that this Chiefs football team has done offensively, and a big part of it is because of Patrick Mahomes. Look at the comparison with Alex Smith and Mahomes. Alex Smith had 26 touchdowns last season. He did not play in Week 17 because the Chiefs put the backups in uh, in that Denver game. So Alex Smith, 26 touchdown passes in 2017 for the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes has the same amount of touchdown passes Alex Smith had last season at the halfway point this year. 26 touchdown passes for him in eight games. Now... Also keep in mind, Alex Smith doesn't have, uh, or he didn't have an interception in the first eight games last year, whereas Mahomes has six so far, and that's due to the amount of shots that Mahomes has taken downfield compared to Smith. Plus, keep in mind, he is a redshirt rookie, so you are seeing some of those rookie mistakes. There was that bad pass uh, that uh, he was trying to get to Travis Kelsey, but it was Dante Hightower, the Patriots, who picked him off, and then uh, this past uh, week, or uh, uh, before the uh, uh, Broncos game, rather, excuse me, Sunday night against the Bengals, when and Mahomes uh, underthrew a really bad pass, uh, trying to connect with Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill already torched uh, three 
Bengals defenders, and he was on his way to the end zone, uh, but a, a horribly underthrown pass that was picked off easily by a Bengals defender. And then those kind of plays, you'll see that from every quarterback. But how often will it happen with Mahomes? Will Mahomes minimize those kinds of mistakes as his career goes along? And I think that's one of the things that you want to keep an eye on when you when you look at this football team. And look, when you throw the ball as much as this team does, He's going to throw interceptions. That's just the reality of it. Uh, he's thrown four touchdown pass. He's had four touchdown pass games in three consecutive games. Now, because he's heavily uh, been active in the passing game, he's also been throwing some interceptions. Had two in the uh, the Patriots game, had one in the Bengals game, and had one this past Sunday against the Denver Broncos. So when you're using Mahomes as much as you do, you're going to have a lot of great numbers, but you'll also have uh, those interception numbers out there as well. So, and really the first step, my only thing that I have to nitpick with Mahomes, uh, just on those uh, opportunities where you can connect on a deep uh, touchdown pass, Mahomes has overthrown a lot of receivers. Funny enough, I mentioned he underthrew the pass to Tyree Kill. Uh, he's connected on some of those plays and he's also missed on some of those plays. And I think those are opportunity killers that you just cannot let go. Look at the Patriots game. Uh, if Mahomes connects with Kareem Hunt or Tyree Kill, uh, what was it on the first or second drive uh, of the game for the Chiefs? We might have had a different final score, and I, I think maybe the outcome of the game would have been different too, considering how both teams would have approached uh, their game plans the rest of the way if Mahomes does connect with a touchdown early on. Uh, so you got to consider that as well. Uh, but that's the only thing I've got to nitpick with Mahomes. And if he can minimize that, and I'm sure Andy Reid and the rest of the Chiefs' offensive coaching staff, they're working on that, on that with Mahomes. Uh, but gosh, uh, you've got to think that this, the ceiling's high for him at this point. And everything he's doing gets noticed. All the charity work he's doing. Players are doing charity work all the time. It's just magnified even more when you have the kind of prominence that Mahomes has right now. Now, I do want to touch on the defensive side of the football in the first half of the season. I know a lot of negative things can be said about the defense. You've got a couple of bright spots in uh, in a guy like Dee Ford, uh, Chris Jones, Alan Bailey, uh, Orlando Skandrick starting to come along recently. Uh, But the Chiefs are allowing a lot of yards, yet the Chiefs are still making big plays defensively. I'll get into that, but I want to touch on this first because I think that'll help us uh, make that transition to the defense. The NFL trade deadline passed uh, on Tuesday at 3 o'clock Central Standard Time, and the Chiefs did not uh, make a move um, with another team. A lot of Chiefs fans upset about that, wondering what happened with Brett Veach. And and I mentioned on Twitter that Kansas City's uh, odds of doing something pretty unrealistic with that $1.9 million in cap room. Um, Listen, at this point, if you're Brett Veach and the rest of the front office, uh, the the scouts and, and who else... Uh, you got to have an eye on Earl Thomas, a, a player who the Chiefs nearly got. Uh, uh, likely going to be a free agent this offseason. Uh, I don't think he's going to have uh, a repaired uh, relationship in Seattle. I think he's just going to move on from them. Uh, but you got to have a, a, a very defensive heavy draft again. Um, like I said, maybe another all defensive draft plus offensive lineman, which is essentially what the last draft was with Khalil McKenzie converting from defensive tackle to offensive guard. 
so I think that's what the Chiefs' mentality is going to be with the front office going into this offseason. But the Chiefs uh, did reportedly have interest, according to, to the New York Post, in Giants cornerback Janoris Jenkins, who was a Pro Bowler in 2016, has had two picks this season, but nothing came about that. Uh, so the Chiefs, again, no action involved uh, this um, this year with the trade deadline. Uh, and it would have been interesting if they added him, because considering all the cornerback moves the Chiefs have had with Marcus Peters, Kendall Fuller, David Amerson, Orlando Skander coming in, uh, they went out there and got Traverius Ward, who we haven't seen a whole lot of yet. Uh, and this would have been another one to add to the list, but uh, I, I think the cap space could have been a problem. Uh, plus, maybe the, they weren't in on the same uh, agreement as to what the Chiefs would want to give up for Janoris Jenkins. So Janoris Jenkins will remain a New York Giant. Meanwhile, you look at this Chiefs defense. They're 31st in total defense, allowing more than 432 yards per game. 29th against the pass, allowing just a little more than 300 yards per game. 25th against the run, more uh, 127, close to 130 yards per game while on the ground. And 21st in points per game allowed with 25.6. They've gotten better at that recently. But is the Chiefs defense all that horrible? Because I know people want to bring up those yards and how easy it is for teams to move the football on the Chiefs. But it's not like the Chiefs are just laying over and not doing anything. The Chiefs have been out there trying to make plays defensively. They are tied second in the NFL in sacks with 24. They're tied with Arizona, Denver, and Pittsburgh. Baltimore has the most sacks with 27. The Chiefs also have eight interceptions. That's tied 11th with Denver and Minnesota, nine forced fumbles on the year. That ties 6th with Arizona, Indianapolis, and the New York Jets. Total takeaways for the Chiefs, 12th, uh, or excuse me, 12 takeaways. That is tied 14th with Buffalo, Denver, and Arizona. Denver and Kansas City have a lot of uh, commonalities, uh, defensively speaking, uh, in certain statistics as a team. But you get the idea. Sure, the Chiefs are allowing tons of yardage. But is that the end of the world? No, they're still making big plays. They're coming up with takeaways and forced fumbles uh, to to help this football team. Those things don't come easy in the NFL, uh, especially for a team that's allowing so many yards and for a team that's allowing a lot of yards. You got to think the mentality is, hey, look, our offense is doing a lot of the work. We need to step up and do some of the work as well. We need to prove that we can uh, hold our weight around or pull our weight around here and and just make some plays, contribute to the wins. And they've gone out there and they've been forcing a lot of fumbles. They, they, they've gotten to the quarterback a lot this year. They, they've been coming away with some some picks. So it's not like this Chiefs defense is just playing dead. Now you might be asking, why in the hell is it that this Chiefs defense is allowing so many yards uh, and they're coming away with some big plays on the stat sheet? Well, I, I think my only response to that is, that is a defensive coordinator issue, which uh, I, I think we can go over that, but I wouldn't be telling you guys anything you haven't heard before, whether it's from this podcast, local talk radio, you know, the Kansas City Star, or other fan interaction on social media. I guess the only th- thing I could add to that, maybe this Chiefs defense, they've got some great players, but they're just not playing well as one cohesive unit. I think you've seen that in years past. With his Chiefs defense under Dick Vermeil. Some good players. Uh, they even brought in some good players. The guys like Kendrell Bell, Sammy Knight, Patrick Sertan, Ty Law. But uh, guys who had great careers but just did not work well when they all joined this Chiefs defense in Kansas City. So 
it is very hard to kind of pinpoint what's going wrong with with the Chiefs and why aren't we seeing uh, better numbers when it comes to the yards allowed, yet you're seeing some big plays made on some of the big stats out there with the Chiefs. Very interesting to look at that. So there you have it. That's your Chiefs. First half recap, uh, defensively, kind of up and down. I mentioned before, yes, they're allowing a lot of yards, but they do make some plays when they matter the most. And that's a, a, had a hand as to why the Chiefs have a 7-1 record in the first half of the season. Offensively, obviously, it's all firepower. Let me know your thoughts. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian, Twitter.com slash Farzine21, and my email, Farzine at Farzine I'm going to get into the game between the Chiefs and the Browns, but man, oh man, we got to start with this Cleveland Browns situation. I know it's probably not something a lot of you guys care about or have a lot of interest in, but given the fact that Todd Haley has a hand in it, sure, it catches our attention, but it also does bring a very familiar scene. I'm sure you all have heard by now, the Cleveland Browns fired Hugh Jackson, their head coach, after two and a half seasons, and they also fired offensive coordinator Todd Haley. Now, let me just say I don't agree with the Hugh Jackson firing. You have two wins this year. That is more than what you had in the first two seasons under Jackson combined. Plus, you've had four games in overtime. This is a team that's been involved in a lot of competitive games. You also have that tie that you forced against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know that's not a moral victory for anybody, but uh, there's progress being made with this Cleveland team. They're being competitive. It's not like they're getting blown out week in and week out. Now, with that said, seems like there has been some internal conflict with Hugh Jackson and the Browns front office, so that led to his termination. Apparently, the same exact thing for Todd Haley, and that led to his termination. Um, and this is all happening six days before Kansas City visits the Browns. Funny enough, I mentioned Todd Haley. If you guys remember, this is actually a very, very familiar scene. Go back to 2011. Kansas City fired Todd Haley. And Romeo Cornell replaced Todd Haley as the interim head coach. And the Chiefs benched Tyler Palco for Kyle Orton. And doing that on six days notice, the Kansas City Chiefs defeat the 15-0 Green Bay Packers with a change at head coach and QB the same week. And they nearly made the playoffs that year in uh, what was a very wide open AFC West. Very wide open. By the way, the city of Cleveland sports, they fired Tyron Liu, Hugh Jackson, and Todd Haley, uh, three coaches in two days. Man, uh, I would not want to be a coach in Cleveland, that's for sure. A lot of people thought the Cleveland Indians were going to follow, but didn't end up being the case. Uh, Look, here, here are my thoughts on this. Hugh Jackson coached the Oakland Raiders and the Cleveland Browns. That is not a fair way to judge someone's head coaching abilities, having to go out there and rebuild a football team. If Andy Reid goes to the Cleveland Browns right now, if Bill Belichick goes to the Cleveland Browns right now, they're going to garner a lot of attention and people are going to want to go to Cleveland because you've got big names like Belichick and Reid. And I know people are laughing because Belichick did at one point coach the Cleveland Browns. Uh, But obviously that was a different Bill Belichick then compared to who he is right now and the success he has had. Listen, new head coaches, it's exciting and nerve-wracking at the same time. But no one's going to want to play. No one's going to have the enthusiasm to play for a brand new coach. But if you get drafted by Andy Reid, 
If you get drafted by Bill Belichick, if you get drafted by Pete Carroll, who's had a lot of success in the NFL and in, 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 uh, in college football, if you get drafted by someone who is one of the more well-known coaches in this sport, there's a lot of exuberance to go around playing under one of those coaches. And players are going to want to go to that city because of that coach. That's going to be a big reason why. With all due respect to Hugh Jackson, people are not going to want to go to Cleveland and have the idea, the dream scenario of winning a Super Bowl with Hugh Jackson as their head coach. That's why people aren't going there. And again, it's a very unfair way to judge Hugh Jackson because he has been the head coach of two franchises that have essentially been in rebuilding mode. The, the Raiders were in rebuild, re, rebuilding mode excuse me, for a very long time. They had one good season in 2016, and then they ended up going back to the rebuilding mode right now. And he, Hugh Jackson also took over in Cleveland. I just don't think that's a fair way for him. Todd Haley's a very interesting one. Everyone in Kansas City knows about Todd Haley, and given the fallout he had in, in Kansas City, and of course right before Leave, uh, leaving for Kansas City in Arizona, the uh, footage of him and Anquan Bolden was one of the more uh, highly viewed videos in Kansas City before he came over uh, to become the head coach of the Chiefs, replacing Herm Edwards. Now, being in Kansas City hurt Todd Haley more than anything. The arguments with players on the sidelines, I mean, those that never looks good on any head coach. Uh, the rumor about him flipping off a fan on Fan Appreciation Day, I mean, that's never a good thing at all either. Um, the Josh McDaniels incident where he met McDaniels at midfield and wagged a finger at him. Uh, look, th- there are a lot of negative stories about Todd Haley and his time here in Kansas City. And I think it's even when he went to Pittsburgh, uh, Mike Tomlin was apparently upset because they hired Todd Haley. So I don't know when Todd Haley can catch a break. Uh, it just seems like he can't do so wherever he goes. Uh, I, I believe he does have a good relationship with the Arizona Cardinals uh, front office guys, and they just fired their offensive coordinator recently, so they could be in the market for a new one. Maybe they even try to think ahead and say, let's hire him now. I don't know. Uh, that's always a possibility. Going back to the city, that helped you gain a lot of prominence, uh, which was uh, Arizona for Todd Haley. Uh, when he had Kurt Warner, Steve Breston, Larry Fitzgerald, uh, and Anquan Bolden. Uh, and obviously one of them came to Kansas City and Steve Breston. So uh, it j- just rough for Todd Haley. Really is rough. But again, a lot of people are saying, let's just go ahead and, and, and mark this as a win. The Browns are, are just discombobulated. And I completely disagree. Uh, I think as Chiefs fans, you should know that the best because the Chiefs did switch their head coach and quarterback and they defeated an unbeaten Packers team that year. So... Uh, never forget about that because that can always, uh, overconfidence is big in sports. I, I think that's the biggest statistic that isn't a statistic. In other words, if we could mark down how many teams have lost games due to overconfidence, not that they'll ever admit it, but we all know, I mean, listen, anyone who's played sports and I've been around athletes and, and you can see some of the overconfidence in some of them. If you could mark down the number of times a pro sports team that should have won, not just won a game, but blown out a team that they were playing against and ended up losing, we have a, a lot of tally marks there. 
So the Chiefs don't want to add on to that. Because upsets happen in ways like this. So hopefully the Chiefs can prevent an upset against Greg Williams, who is now the interim head coach for the Browns, while he continues to uh, coach the defense. Uh, Interim offensive coordinator Freddie Kitchens. He will be replacing Todd Haley. And you can put down money right now that John Dorsey, Cleveland uh, Browns GM, formerly of the Chiefs, he is going to call Dave Tobe this offseason and consider him as a head coach. You just know that he'll be calling him and maybe even reach out to another Chief as well. But Williams, he was the head coach for Belton High School. So he's a local guy from the Kansas City area here. Also went to Belton High School as a student. Went to Truman State University. Uh, then after that, he was the head coach at Belton from 1984 to 1997, or excuse me, not 97, uh, 87, uh, uh, 84 to 87. That's when he was at Belton. And then after that, uh, he went on to be the graduate assistant over at Houston University. Then he's been around a lot of places in the NFL, Houston Oilers, Tennessee Titans, Buffalo Bills, uh, same team, Oilers, Titans. Uh, Buffalo Bills, Redskins, Jags, Saints, Rams, uh, the Titans again, uh, was back with the Rams again and made his way over to Cleveland, was the head coach of the Buffalo Bills. Uh, you look at his record with the Bills, 17 and 31 in three years as the head coach there, uh, was the Saints defensive coordinator when the Saints won a Super Bowl, also helped the Titans get to a Super Bowl against the Rams in the 1999 season. By the way, speaking of the, uh, the Saints, he was caught uh, in the uh, controversy of Bounty Gate, if you guys may remember, where the Saints would sweeten the pot, so to say, if players delivered big hits or caused injuries on any notable offensive players uh, for opposing teams if they were uh, forced to leave the game with an injury. So uh, Greg Williams was a part of that, uh, for those who remember Bounty Gate with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, that took place about, uh, gosh, uh, I can't remember exactly when that was discovered. I want to say it was 2012. But it was about nine years ago when the Saints won their Super Bowl and had that miracle run coming off the you know, Hurricane Katrina, still recovering from that. And I believe they still, they still are now. Uh, and the story uh, it was just tarnished uh, because of the uh, Bounty Gate situation. So not a good look on the city of New Orleans, especially the defensive side. And Greg Williams was a part of that. Now the interim head coach for the Cleveland Browns. And depending how he does, could be considered as a head coaching candidate in the future for the Browns. All right, let's get into this game between the Chiefs and the Browns. I'll break down this game and give you guys my prediction. I think you guys are going to be a little surprised as how I have this game playing out uh, in the first half and in the second half. I think think you're going to see two different halves. Not necessarily a tale of two halves where one team is dominating one half and it's a completely different team that comes back and dominates the second half. I don't think it's going to be like that necessarily. But I think you're going to see two different uh, football games in the first half and in the second half. Two different uh, types of matchup. I think the first half is going to be very competitive. And I think in the second half, the Chiefs are going to pull away with it in the end. So I'll, I'll touch on that as the, as we go along with this breakdown here. Quick look at Cleveland's offense. 24th in total offense. 24th in passing Ninth in rushing, uh, averaging 127 yards per game on the ground. And they've got a couple of good court, uh, running backs, excuse me. Uh, so they definitely have a chance to go off against Kansas City's weak run-stopping defense. And then when you look at their scoring, 
They're 24th in the league, scoring just a little bit more than 21 points per game. Baker Mayfield, everyone's excited for this matchup. Baker Mayfield, Patrick Mahomes, these guys have some history uh, being on the same team at one point at Texas Tech. Mayfield wanted to transfer because he wanted an opportunity to play. And these guys had uh, some big matchups in uh, Big 12 play. And a lot of people are excited to see if they can duplicate that uh, in this football game or in the future anytime these two go head-to-head. Eventually took over for Tyrod Taylor and uh, started playing in Week 3. Has 8 touchdowns, 6 picks on the year, 1,471 yards thrown, a 58.3% uh, completion percentage. He's been sacked 20 times despite not playing the first couple of games, tying Matt Ryan for 10th in the league and obviously hasn't played the whole year. Up to this point, he was sacked five times in each of the last three games prior to last week against the Steelers. So that definitely increased his sack total and uh, has put him in the top 10 among quarterbacks who have been sacked this season. Uh, Look at the game last week against the Steelers. Had a pair of touchdown passes and a pick against Pittsburgh. uh, Threw 480 yards. uh, The fewest he's had in a single game this season. So... You have that to, 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 to consider coming off a very weak performance once to improve on that. By the way, the most he's threw in a game, 342 yards against Baltimore and against Kansas City's struggling defense. Uh, I mentioned this earlier. There are some highs and lows with this Chiefs defense. Uh, there's no in-between. There really isn't. Uh, no mediocre. A lot of these players on the defense, either really good or really bad. Uh, a couple of them come through at times. Uh, but uh, that's what you have with this defense. You look at the running game, uh, th- 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 this running group right here has a good chance to go wild on this Chiefs run-stopping defense, uh, or lack thereof. Uh, running back Nick Chubb played fairly well. 52 carries, 318 yards. That's a 6.1 yard per carry average. Uh, it, when you sort these on NFL.com, it, it's kind of hard to separate those who are qualified, those who actually have a consistent, uh, some consistency running the football. But Nick Chubb's definitely out, up there. Maybe even the best yard per carry average among active uh, players. Uh, so, so that's one thing to to be aware of. He's got three touchdowns on the year. Duke Johnson has ran the ball 22 times for 107 yards. That's a 4.9 yard per carry average. Has yet to see the end zone on the ground this year. Uh, Chubb is coming off a bad game, though, uh, against the Steelers. 18 carries, 65 yards. But has a chance to make up for that and just explode in this football game. So I'd be very interested in seeing if the Browns and the Chiefs have always started second. Uh, the opposing team has always received the football in every single Chiefs game this year. So I'd be interested in seeing if that trend continues. And if it does, the Browns have to go run heavy in this football game. I know you've got your your quarterback here. And, and look, considering the fact that they are they lost their head coach, who is a good offensive-minded uh coach in the NFL, and also you lost Todd Haley, your offensive coordinator. I mean, those are offensive minds that definitely want to give their input all the time to these guys, and now you just lost both of them in one day, six days before you play the Chiefs. So I'm interested in seeing how Freddie Kitchens handles this as you get ready for a Chiefs team that's not very good defensively against the run, and obviously missing a lot of tackles, and with Cleveland's offense, maybe you take some pressure off Mayfield, considering he's learning some new things this week under a, def- a different offensive coordinator. I'm sure they're still going to go about similar game plans, but uh, in a week like this, uh, every offensive coordinator and every coach 
has their own plan that they want to implement. So it's going to be different going into this week. But why not take some pressure off Baker Mayfield and let Nick Chubb and Duke Johnson just go off on this Chiefs uh, rush defense? I think that would be a very smart thing for them to do in this game. Uh, You look at the passing game. Uh, who Mayfield has to work with. Jarvis Landry, the best receiver by far on this team. 23rd in receiving yards with 528. He's 12th in catches with 49. To give you an idea, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey both have 44 catches along with Christian McCaffrey. That is tied 20th in the NFL, yet those guys have more receiving yards than Jarvis Landry. So it shows you uh, just uh, the different style of offenses that these two teams have and how they operate. Uh, Landry has just two touchdowns on the season. Uh, had eight catches for 39 yards last week. Not a very good stat line for Jarvis Landry. Damian Ratley and Antonio Callaway, a couple of other receivers on the team. Callaway had a touchdown last week. Had five catches for 36 yards. Again, not a very good stat line either. Either, excuse me. Uh, so I'm interested in seeing how Freddie Kitchens will will, will handle that. Again, I, I mentioned. Uh, you've got Cleveland's offense that was under Todd Haley's guidance, and you've got an offensive-minded guy in Hugh Jackson as your head coach who was let go. So uh, all of these offensive players, um, they're all trying to make this transition within six days. Not a very easy thing to do on a short notice, especially when you've had a very long season and a very long couple of years like the Cleveland Browns have had. Uh, tied in David Njoku, uh, second on the team in, uh, as a pass catcher in both uh, receptions and yards, 31 grabs for 297 yards, also has a pair of touchdowns uh, co-leading with Landry on the team. Offensive lineman, this is going to be the big one for for Cleveland, and they've got some good offensive linemen and some bad offensive linemen here. I'll start with the good. They've got center J.C. Treader, who is a top 10 center by Pro Football Focus. He will be key, especially if the Browns decide to run up the middle a lot. And I think that'd be a very wise thing for the Browns to do. You don't have a lot of Impact players in the middle of that defensive line for Kansas City with Xavier Williams and Derek Nandy. And the outside linebackers for the Chiefs have been very good this season. I know uh, Anthony Hitchens, he's dealing with some bruised ribs, so uh, may not practice uh, again as, as the week goes along. Uh, but Reggie Ragland, he's definitely taking a step back. So I'm interested in seeing if the Chiefs make some changes there. I didn't mention this guy's name on the last episode, but Dorian O'Daniel did have a pretty good game. And I think that's someone who maybe could be the secret in the Chiefs trying to find some sort of improvement in some areas, or maybe could be that guy similar to what Reggie Ragland was last year as he started to play some games for the team. So I'd be interested in that, but J.C. Treader, a center to keep an eye on for the Cleveland Browns' offensive line. Their offensive tackles, though, not very good, and this is where Kansas City could do the most damage, and that's why I think it'd be wise if the Browns went run-heavy and didn't go crazy in the passing game with Baker Mayfield. Desmond Harrison, the left tackle, and the right tackle, Chris Hubbard, they have their hands full with Breland Speaks, who's going to go up against Desmond Harrison, and D. Ford, who will go up against Chris Hubbard. Uh, Chris Hubbard, by the way, he's allowed eight and a half sacks on the year. You look at D. Ford, he has eight sacks on the year. That's tied second in the NFL, also uh, tying first in forced fumbles. I was actually going to get into that stat line later on when I compared it to Cleveland's defense, but uh, it's going to be a very very rough game for Chris Hubbard. Uh, And I know I say this just about every single time we do a preview episode, but I feel like that really is the key for a defense that, again, uh, has some some highs and lows. Uh, you, You never know which defense will come through for you. In Kansas City, uh, you used to have a very consistent defense week in and week out, but not the case 
this season as well as last year. So D Ford again, a guy who got, who's got a contract year. Let's see uh, how he does as he goes up against another struggling right tackle, and it seems like he's been getting a lot of bad right tackles uh, th- that he gets to face each week, and that's got to give him a really good chance at being one of the league leaders in the NFL in sacks. He's, he's second right now uh, in the NFL with Aaron Donald of the Rams ahead of him, and he's tied with a couple other players, including Von Miller, Jason Pierre-Paul, J.J. Watts. So a lot of players to account for, and uh, I think J.J., or excuse me, D. Ford can uh, eventually outlast them and be one of the league leaders, maybe even uh, change that after Week 9 and be the leader in the NFL in sacks. I'll even go out on a limb and say D. Ford will be the Defensive Player of the Week for Week 9 in the NFL. Going to the other side of the football, looking at Cleveland's defense, not very good. A lot of similarities to Kansas City's defense. 28th in total defense, allowing more than 415 yards per game. 26 against the pass, allowing 275 yards a game. And against the run, near the bottom of the league, 28th, allowing close to 139 yards per game. And as far as points go, 26.2 points per game. So that's what you've got in Cleveland's defense. They've got a lot of good physical players. A couple of them, unfortunately, dealing with injuries like Terrence Mitchell, former Kansas City Chief, has a pair of forced fumbles but was placed on IR due to a wrist injury. And we've got Joe Schulbert, the inside linebacker, not practicing due to a hamstring injury. He's got two fumble recoveries. So this has been a defense that's definitely made uh, the best of the opportunities that they've had on the field and trying to make plays to help Cleveland's defense. Uh, and, and the team really uh, put, put them in position to win. So this Cleveland defense has been able to make plays like Kansas City, despite being ranked uh, so low in a lot of these defensive categories. Uh, but on the stat sheet, they've been able to make some plays. And you, you look at Denzel Ward, who's a top 10 quarterback in the NFL ties second with a bunch of players right now with three picks on the year. Had he been in Kansas city, he would actually be leading the the team in that category. Also has a forced fumble and two fumble recoveries, by the way, for what it's worth, Earl Thomas, who almost came to Kansas city also has three picks and has not played for a few weeks now since dealing with that injury. So, uh, shows you, uh, how interesting, uh, it would be if he came to Kansas city and how much of an improvement that would be. And how many interceptions he'd have now uh, in the NFL would be very interesting to see. Uh, And as I mentioned, Pro Football Focus has Ward as a top 10 quarterback, one of the better cover corners in the league right now. You look at Miles Garrett, uh, it's going to be him him and D. Ford probably with the more uh, intriguing games. He's got three forced fumbles on the year, tying fifth in the league with six others. And I mentioned D. Ford is tied second in the NFL with eight sacks. Well, one of those players he's tied with is Miles Garrett. He's also got eight sacks on the year. And by the way, I, I mentioned D. Ford. He's tied first with three others with four forced fumbles. And I mentioned Garrett. He's got three of them. So he's right behind D. Ford in that category. So uh, two really good pass rushers uh, in this football game. And if you want to put down money that... D. Ford or Miles Garrett could end up with uh, Defensive Player of the Week honors. Generally, those awards go to players that come away with a win. Uh, and I, I think this time it's going to be with the Chiefs. Uh, but man, you would probably win that bet if you thought that a Defensive Player of the Week uh, for the AFC would come from this football game. Very good chance that happens in this game between the Chiefs and the Browns. And I think it's going to be D. Ford for Week 9. You look at the secondary. I mentioned some of the uh, players. I mentioned Denzel Ward, uh, who's a very good quarterback. Uh, but safeties for the for the Cleveland defense not very good. Jabril Peppers 
Derek Kendred, uh, not very good. They're going to have their hands full trying to help the cornerbacks when they go up against that ferocious three-headed monster that's called Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, and Tyree Kill. Special teams for the Browns. Uh, you've got Britton Colquitt, the bro- brother of Dustin Colquitt, a longtime Denver Bronco, now with the Cleveland Browns, a below-average punter. Got kicker Greg Joseph, a rookie free agent out of Florida Atlantic, who replaced Zane Gonzalez earlier on the year after he missed two potential game-winning field goals in Weeks 1 and 2 against the Steelers and the Saints. Uh, the Steelers game ended up in a tie, whereas the Saints game, they lost that game. Uh, he's 10 of, uh, uh, Greg Joseph, uh, that is, he's 10 of 12 on the year. Missed one field goal last week. The other miss he had was in Week 5 against Baltimore. And as far as returns go, I mentioned uh, Jabril Peppers, uh, one of the safeties on the team. He's averaging 20.9 yards per return on kickoffs and 10.1 yards per return off of punts. I'm not exactly sure how this game is going to go from start to finish. Here's what I think will happen. The Cleveland Browns, let me just say this. They have been a very competitive football team. They've had four games going to overtime. Their four overtime games, I alluded to one of them. That was the Steelers game that ended in a tie. And then against Oakland, uh, the game-winning field goal by the uh, KC Hater for the Raiders uh, with the 45-42 win. And then the following week, they beat... The Baltimore Ravens, 12-9, to kind of a funny score there. And then uh, the week before, they lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 26-23. to So they're 1-2-1 and in overtime games, the four overtime games. Look, they've been very competitive. The Saints game, they lost the game by three. They beat the Jets by four. Now, they've been blown up by uh, the Chargers a couple of weeks ago and by the Steelers this past week. But listen, man, this is a Cleveland team, and I know that two of the last three games have not been competitive during this three-game losing streak of theirs, but this is a football team that, sure, people want to look at that and say it's the Browns, the Chiefs should win in a shutout 42-zip, 49-0, 49-7, something along those lines, but I'd be very surprised if that ended up being the score. This is a competitive Cleveland team, so here's how I see things happening. I can see both teams, and I would love it if Kansas City would utilize their running uh, attack with with Kareem Hunt and Spencer Ware. And listen, as exciting as it is to see Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill and the rest of this offense, I, I wouldn't mind it if they let Patrick Mahomes kind of chill out a little bit, maybe have 20 to 25 passes, don't really go too crazy with the passing game. Let your running backs carry the offense for once. And I'm not saying they haven't done so well or anything. They've been playing well the past few weeks. They really have. Got off to a very, very slow start this season. But Kareem Hunt's a top five running back in the NFL right now. And you look at the job that he's been doing for the Chiefs while Mahomes is still putting up big numbers. I think it's time to let Mahomes maybe just sit back a little bit and maybe even throw a little bit less than 20 passes in this game. Just let the running backs go crazy in this football game because this Browns defense is not going to stop Kareem Hunt nor Spencer Ware. So the Chiefs have that chance to just go off. Maybe let Mahomes have the quote-unquote day off. Uh, Maybe he has a touchdown or two, but let Kareem Hunt and Spencer Ware do a lot of the heavy lifting in this game because you're going to need Mahomes in that cannon arm a lot in November and December and hopefully into January and hopefully into, into February. Uh, but, but, but look, I mean, I'm not saying he's not capable of having great games if he plays, uh, if he throws a lot in this game. Uh, but why not give him a, a bit of a, a bit of, I, I don't, I don't want to use the word day off. I know I said 
uh, I, I gave the quotations, uh, but I think you guys get what I'm trying to say. I don't want Patrick Mahomes to be the guy who throws so many passes for the Chiefs every single week. And then, you know, it starts to take a toll on him as the season goes along. Look, uh, let him throw the ball a little bit. Let him sling it to, to Tyree Kill and Watkins on a couple of deep pass opportunities. But let your running backs do the heavy, heavy lifting in this game. You've got a bye week right before December. And I think, that, you know, that's another great time for Mahomes as well as the rest of this team to to take a break as the playoff race will heat up and the Chiefs still likely to have a very good record going into the month of December. So I think there's an opportunity here to to let Mahomes not do so much of the lifting for this offense and let the running backs be the MVPs. Uh, So I'd love to see that, uh, but I don't anticipate that to be the case. I think the Chiefs want to let Mahomes continue to do his thing, but I would love it if if the Chiefs let the running backs uh, handle uh, uh, their duties uh, and let them uh, do all the heavy lifting in this football game. Here's what I think happens. I think both teams are going to go back and forth in this football game in the first half. I think it's going to be a very close score going into halftime. If I had to take a guess, I think we could be tied 14-14 at halftime. Or, Or if it's not tied, I think the score will at least be very close. But in the second half... And the Chiefs have done very well in the second half in recent games. They'll come away and start to separate themselves from the Browns. And the Chiefs at that point, uh, they'll use Tyree Kill. They'll use Travis Kelsey to move the football, pick up first downs. You've got your running backs who can all make all sorts of plays, uh, not just on the ground, but through the air as well. And the Chiefs will just come away with a big win on the road. So I got a 31-17 to in Kansas City's favor, winning this football game and improving to 8-1 and on the season. You look at NFL Pick Watch, uh, and I'll update this as the week goes along, but 100% of the experts on NFL Pick Watch right now have the Chiefs winning this football game. So a lot of people, just about everyone for now, some people have not submitted their picks yet in the middle of the week, but generally these uh, percentages, uh, they stay very close. They don't change a whole lot as the week goes along, but the Chiefs right now... uh, uh, in unanimous uh, agreement from all the pundits that they will win this football game. Uh, and, and the Chiefs, a lot of times, I mean, ever since week three or four, they've always, uh, I mean, at least 90% of the pundits, according to NFL Pick Watch, have been picking the Chiefs to win their game. So that is my prediction uh, for this game. 31-17, to 17, very competitive first half from the Browns, but the Chiefs pull away, separate themselves from the Browns, and start dominating in the second half and come away with that 31-17 to 17 win. Let me know your thoughts. Facebook.com slash FarzyVasugian, Twitter.com slash Farzy21, my email Farzine at FarzyVasugian.com, and a reminder, we'll do our Facebook Live videos this Sunday during the game at halftime and after the game. So join me for that on the Facebook page. Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. The defending champions, the Eagles, 4-4 record. They need help, so they got help. They got wide receiver Golden Tate for a third-round pick. The Broncos got a fourth-round pick for sending Demarius Thomas to the Texans and the Patriots earlier this year, during the season. They got Josh Gordon for a fifth-round pick. The Cowboys gave up a first-round pick for Amari Cooper. Now, look, I already discussed this topic, but when you compare the fact that the Eagles gave up, what was it, a third-round pick for Tate, 
the Texans gave up a fourth rounder for Thomas and the Patriots gave up a fifth round pick for Gordon. The Dallas Cowboys giving up a first round pick for Amari. I mean, you better hope he works out and does well because if he doesn't, and if the wide receivers for the other teams, the Eagles, the, uh, the Texans, and the, the Patriots, their new receivers work out, which they got for a much cheaper price, I think you've got a question big time. What's going on with management in Dallas? And I think Jerry Jones needs to say, look, I, I've got a lot of my ego going. No, that's a tall order. That's a tall order. What am I, what am I even saying? He's not going to let anyone else take the reins. He's going to want full control of the team. That's just all, the way he, he's been. But at some point, you've got to know that it's not working out. This is starting to slowly turn into an Al Davis situation where success was hardly seen in Oakland because Al Davis was impatient. And I know a big part of it was is because he wanted to see a championship before he passed away. But unfortunately, uh, Jerry Jones, he's not, he's not near that situation in his life. Uh, but that doesn't change the fact that this Cowboys team, a, a very decorated franchise and a popular franchise for that matter... They have not won a championship in a long time, and that's not the thing that the Dallas Cowboys are known for. They're staple as winning championships, and they want to return to that form. But giving up a first-round pick for Amari Cooper is not the way to go about it. It's just not. I don't think it's a good look for the Dallas Cowboys. Here's what's not a good look for the Broncos and the Lions, as reports have come out that the Broncos and Lions are upset uh, that they lost some of their teammates. The Broncos losing Demarius Thomas and the Lions losing Golden Tate. Let me just say this, man. I get locker room chemistry. I, I mean, it, it's an important deal. It really is. And the locker room chemistry for teams like the Lions and the Broncos, according to these reports, essentially, they've taken a, a hit because of what's happened. But you've got to understand this is a business. Players want to go out there and do what's best for them. Teams that want to go out there and do what's best for them. If, they, if they're getting an offer that they like, and if they feel like they're trying to keep a player is turned into a lost cause, well then, go ahead and trade that player away for the draft pick that's being offered for you. Why not? I can understand that 100%. So the players who are upset about this got to understand, look, this is a business, and this happens in all sports too. And the reality is, not everything can be a perfect utopia, and you get everything and everyone happy 24 hours a day. It's just not a realistic possibility. It'd be nice, but that's just not the way things work, especially in pro sports. Last thing I want to touch on, Adam Vinatieri, the new scoring champion in the NFL with 2,550 points, surpassing former Chiefs kicker Morton Anderson, who had 2,544 points with the previous top mark. Uh, look, big ups to Adam Vinatieri. Hell of a career. Uh, obviously the scoring champion in NFL history, but also some of the bigger moments in his career with the Patriots. Those gambling field goals, a couple of them as time expires. And just, just having those big moments under his career, no other kicker has been able to say that they've been able to do the things that Vinatieri has done. Three game-winning field goals in the Super Bowl. You've never seen that before in Super Bowl history. Uh, and Vinatieri has that mark. So, guy who has accomplished a lot in helping his teams win a championship when special teams doesn't really uh, get mentioned much as to why uh, a team wins or loses a game. Oh, loses a game, yeah, sure, they get mentioned. But uh, for a championship, boy, it, it doesn't get talked about often. And Vinatieri was able to 
uh, be a big part of the discussion for all these Patriots championships that they have won. So Vinatieri, big ups to him on becoming the new scoring champion. Let's go out of bounds. I mentioned earlier the uh, spree of coaches getting fired in Cleveland, one of them being Tyron Lue. The Cavaliers just won their first game, by the way, uh, of the season. Uh, that came after firing Tyron Lue after an 0-6 start to the season. Look, say what you want about Cleveland and who really was in charge of that basketball team, whether it was LeBron James or Tyron Lue or whoever, but uh, when you lose a superstar like LeBron... Uh, it's, it's going to be hard to win. Lynn, I know there are struggles in L.A. right now with the Lakers standing at, what, 2-5, and five, but they'll pick up eventually. They will. Uh, but, man, I mean, you, you lose LeBron again, and the Cavaliers are in this situation. But this time around, it's certainly more worth it considering he did bring a championship to Cleveland, uh, something that they were expecting the first time in his first stint there. Didn't happen. His second stint definitely made that happen. So I think all in all, end up being good, but just unfortunate for Tyron Lue, who, uh, can't the guy, everyone here loves him, but, uh, it, the truth is, it was really LeBron who was helping him have the success. Generally don't see that in sports, but that's just the reality of it in Cleveland for Ty Lue. Uh, speaking of guys from Kansas City, Mike Moustakis, former Kansas City Royal, uh, was traded to the Milwaukee Brewers. He will become a free agent again, second offseason in a row. Uh, he didn't go anywhere last year, returned to Kansas City during spring training. Why will this offseason be any different for Mike Moustakis? Well, for one, he got traded to a team and helped them uh, boost up to a playoff status type of team. Maybe he returns to Milwaukee and they want to keep him and give him the big bucks. But, uh, you know, 20... 2017 was not a good year for the Royals, and that includes Moustakas. But Moustakas was able to rebound uh, with that in um, in Milwaukee this year, so I think he can uh, make some points along with his agent. He's got some leverage, and that'll help him out this offseason. So we'll see what happens with that, but unfortunately, not going to be coming back to Kansas City, but he's going to be making some big bucks elsewhere. Speaking of big bucks, success, Boston Red Sox, another World Series Fourth title since 2004. 11 pro sports titles since 2002 for the city of Boston. The Patriots have five rings. The Red Sox have four. The Boston Bruins have one. And the Boston Celtics have one. And this meme was floating around on the internet. A 16-year-old from the moment he was born at the beginning of 2002, right before the Super Bowl, against the Rams that 16 year old has been alive for 11 pro sports championships in the city of Boston who has that kind of luck man who who just has that kind of luck man I envy these Boston sports fans because look when the Chiefs took the lead both in last year's meeting and this year's meeting uh, in Foxborough Patriots fans were silent they didn't even want to make noise. An arrowhead if you're down by one, even two possessions. Fans are making noise trying to get their defense back into it to help the team get the football back. And Boston, uh, man, uh, you lose, you're, you're angry, it's the end of the world. Uh, you know, it's a dumpster fire. Point fingers, blame people. But when you're winning, everyone loves it. That's just how it is in Boston, I guess. I mean, I'm not from Boston, never been there, would love to visit one day, but... 
Good Lord. I, I, I mean, Boston sports fans, and I know when uh, the Chiefs smashed the Patriots on Monday Night Football a few years ago, there was a lot of talk of the Patriots moving on from Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. So you just see it in the Boston sports scene. They're happy when they're winning, but when they're losing, it's the end of the world. Man, try being a Kansas City sports fan. Try being a Cleveland sports fan. They complain the the moment the Patriots have what? A a rough start to the 2014 season? Or last season when they started 2-2? Come on. This is a city that lives and breathes sports titles. And they want to complain when things aren't going right. Good for Boston sports, man. Good for them. Uh, Would love to have that one of these days in Kansas City. Final segment of the show. Let's go out of bounds. Well, if you make your players run erroneous drills and to the point where it could kill uh, one player, you may not end up losing your job because Maryland is bringing back DJ Durkin. Uh, Remember, he's the guy who made offensive linemen run 100-yard sprints because God knows why offensive linemen need to be doing 100-yard sprints. Out in the heat in, in, in summer practices, that did lead to a player's death. Uh, he was physically ill, wasn't feeling well, dehydrated, and eventually uh, passed away due to these barbaric practices set up in uh, Maryland. Uh, the McNair family commented saying they feel like they've been, quote, punched in the stomach. Listen, this is going to hurt Maryland, not just the football program, but the entire Maryland Athletics Department. This is going to send a big message. The athletic director and the rest of the uh, front office members there, they are wanting to bring this guy back. People are not going to want to play for Maryland's basketball basketball team. They're not going to want to be part of the rowing team or or any of these other athletic uh, programs that they have in Maryland. No one's going to want to be a part of that. Because the guy who runs the athletic program there in, in Maryland brought back DJ Durkin. Why would you want to go there? Unless you're desperate for a scholarship or, or, or an opportunity to play sports collegiately, I just don't know why anyone would want to go to Maryland. Does Maryland not want to be respected? By the way, DJ Durkin, no matter where he goes, this is going to follow him. This is always going to follow him. It's never going to go away. I know we forget about things sometimes, but in sports, these things are never forgotten about. Horrible move for the University of Maryland. Shame on them for bringing back DJ Durkin. Okay, I know uh, election day is coming up. Folks, uh, if you're going to vote blue across the board or vote red or, or, or if you're going to do your own thing, fine. Make sure you know what you are voting for. Uh, I always think it's important that people should vote. And not only that, they know what they are voting for. A lot of people will go to the polls and they'll just vote for presidential candidates or senator candidates. They never uh, vote for some of the other issues out there. And people need to study up on what what it is uh, you can vote on and know some of these things. Take some time and learn about your community, what's going on, and, and what are people voting on. Because that stuff is important. Now, why am I throwing a flag here? I'm throwing a flag at people who think they know politics like the back of their hand. Stop pretending like you know everything about politics. 
Because if you did, you'd be a politician right now. You want to sit here and talk to me about tax reform? You want to sit here and talk to me about gun control? All of these crazy things going on in our to talk about uh, you know constitutional rights and citizenship opportunities that we see uh, a certain someone in the uh, the White House uh, doing. Uh, stop acting like you know so much about politics. Uh, I don't know zilch. I know zilch about politics. I read up on them. I try to follow it up, and you, you, for anyone who follows me on Twitter, you guys probably know where I stand politically, uh, but but don't act like you are some political expert. I don't care for what you have to say politically. Uh, you, don't, you know nothing. You just read about it. You hear one political pundit say something, and all you do is repeat what they say on the air. That is all you do. Please stop pretending like you know politics. Just go vote and shut up. This is very interesting. Iona's Roland Griffin kicked off the basketball team for punching an assistant coach. He claims, however, he did it in self-defense. He claims that the assistant coach, uh, uh, assistant coach, excuse me, quote, wrestled him down after a face-to-face verbal confrontation in the locker room. Uh, supposedly grabbed him by the jacket and threw him down. Uh, who knows if he's saying this to save his own reputation so he can join another college basketball team or if this is something that really happened. Uh, because at first the reports came out that he punched the assistant coach and they just gave him the pink slip. Now we've got this whole mess deal in Iona. And I'll say this, I'm sure this is what's happening in Iona. They they take these claims seriously and they'll investigate uh, but it's not a good look for for both sides there. Why is it that it had to come da- down to an assistant coach getting punched? Why uh, did the assistant coach allegedly grab him by the jacket and throw him down like that? What was the purpose of this? What led to that? What was the face-to-face verbal altercation about? I don't know. Uh, but that's not a good look on any college basketball program. Look, Not as horrible as Maryland's, but still, this stuff is not taken very lightly at all. You look at in some past instances where coaches have gotten in trouble for certain incidents, including DJ Durkin, and parents, look, your kid may be 18, uh, an adult in the eyes of the government, but that doesn't mean parents don't want to be aware of what's going on in their child's lives and that they're being treated right. When they're moving miles and miles away to go play for a college basketball team. So this is not a good look for Iona. And if you're the athletic director there, you definitely need to step in and talk to everyone involved and see what happened. Why things led to where they did. uh, And where you move forward from there. You know, I'll I'll just say this. In the case of like Maryland or Iona... I'm sure being an athletic director, it ha- it's a great job, but it also has its moment, like any job. But in a high-praised job like this where the public eye is watching you, it's never an easy thing to, to kind of just look out and be able to deal with. Uh, it's not it's not an easy thing at all. Uh, those athletic directors have a lot of difficult decisions they've got to make. In the case of Iona, well, you got to listen to both sides, and who do you go with? Who, who, who was right and who was wrong in this situation? In the self-defense punch allegedly, or kicking out Griffin. Who knows, but that's a job for uh, for those uh, athletic directors there, the, the assistant ADs and everyone else that uh, are part of that support staff. Uh, never an easy job. Not one bit. Uh, before we sign up, i got to give a shout-out to our buddy Max Chapman. He always joins us for the uh, Chiefs and Steelers breakdowns here on this podcast. He had a family member 
that was shot and killed in the synagogue shooting in Pittsburgh. Uh, very, very sad to hear. Um, so big shout-outs go out to Max Shepman, and our thoughts and prayers go out to him and his family. Uh, very sad to hear. Uh, and um, yeah. thoughts and prayers to the entire city of Pittsburgh as well. Very sad scene there with the shooting at the synagogue. That'll do it for this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. My name is Farzi Vasuki, and thank you all for downloading and listening to this episode. Subscribe if you have an iTunes, Apple Podcast, Google Play, and Spotify. Subscribe, share the podcast with your friends. Facebook.com slash Farzi Vasuki, and that's the Facebook page. We'll do our Facebook live videos at halftime and after the game. So join us talking Chiefs, Browns, and also or my commentary on Twitter at Farzine21, plus my email, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. Chiefs, Browns, this Sunday. Hopefully the Chiefs avoid an upset. I think they will. As always, let me know your thoughts on anything we discussed on this episode with the Chiefs or outside of Kansas City. And we'll touch on it more on social media. Till then, enjoy your weekend, enjoy the games. Talk to you guys on Sunday.